Welcome back to the Why Hockey Podcast. With me is no one. Just me today. Little monologue. Uh, earlier this week from the Why Hockey Twitter, I tweeted out uh, just a couple of pictures of the cap friendly for Florida. What it looked like, you know, uh, with no one re-signed. What it looked like with a couple guys re-signed. And what it would look like, you know, with a couple guys moved out. Um and you know we t- talk, I talked about uh going into that in depth a little more on, on the podcast. We didn't really have too much time to get into it and take a more detailed look. Uh, by the time I got to the Panthers, uh, yesterday's podcast was a little long, so I figured I would just uh, post an update uh, today uh, since Florida didn't win the draft lottery last night and we're not doing a podcast on number one i figured i could spend a podcast talking about what florida can do uh with their cap situation there's a lot of talk right now about florida being in cap jail or cap hell how it maybe is necessitating them to trade barkov and huberto and start afresh start new um, or at least trading one of those to make cap space. That kind of makes sense if you're looking at, well, who on Florida makes a sizable cap hit that somebody would want uh, and would not have to have a bad return with dead cap space, uh, you know, a lot of somebody else's unwanted contracts, all of that, where you could actually get good usable pieces to build uh, for the future or some early draft picks. There isn't much. Danov and Hoffman were the next people in line when you talk about that before you get into the prospects that haven't played any NHL games. Uh, And they're UFAs now. The time has passed to move them and get value. What that means is... Any type of trade that sends Barkov away from Florida is putting the next two, three years into a rebuild, into more suffering, into being not just in the draft lottery uh, in these crazy years where 24 teams make the playoffs and they do this hectic and uh, divided lottery process. Uh you know they're going to be in the draft lottery in the top five. You know for the next couple of years, if they move out Barkov, if they move out Hubert over to rebuild. On the other hand, if you look at it, there's two years left of Barkov's contract, three years left of Hubert's contract. But you know, let's focus on Barkov, the real linchpin. Um, if Florida were to trade Huberto for a defenseman. Uh, there's still a chance that they could be roughly better off than they were last season, uh, depending on who that defenseman is and what other moves they made. Uh, and if they would play Tippett and Denisenko, um, as they would need to, to do well. 
were Florida to trade Barkov, not only uh, would they quickly need to expend all the other value, some of the value they maybe got back for Barkov, but uh, all the other value they had on replacing him and getting a number one center. Uh, were they to say trade Barkov for the number one pick to get Lafreniere? Uh, who would be Lafreniere's center next year or in the year after that? Um, I, the Borgstrom is the best center in their prospect pool. There's enough contention and smoke and rumors out there that uh, he could not be in the organization come next season. So they really do need to focus on centers even with Barkov. So if you take Barkov out of the equation, they're, they're really expending a lot of value going out and trading, drafting uh, for centers, um, which is detrimental when you think about all the other stuff they have to do defensively on the wing, uh, moving out contracts. It just doesn't make sense to go into rebuild mode now, especially when we're talking about two seasons and if we really think about it, it's not two full seasons on that second season by that trade deadline, you're going to need to have Barkov signed or you're going to need to trade Barkov by the end of that trade deadline. There's no way Florida can do what they did. I mean, there's a way it's Florida, but what they did with Jay Bomeister and, you know, every other Florida player that has, been drafted and come up in isolation in Florida gets to UFA. They hold on, hold on. They don't make that trade. And they get pennies on the dollar at the draft day when they know they can't re-sign him. Uh, I, I don't think that would happen with Barkov. You would easily probably trade him before the second season would even start if you can't get that extension in place in July. Um, because the July 1st, before a player becomes UFA, you are allowed to do an extension. So you really don't have that much time. So if your idea is rebuild, uh, I, I want to know what the urgency is. Who's that center? Who's that number one center that you think is automatically better than Barkov that we can walk away from Barkov right now? Uh who's that target in the 2021 draft that you're looking for or you know why or what's the impetus for basically tanking now versus waiting to see at least giving that it's only months it's one season season and a half to see if you can turn the new gm can turn this around before rebuilding why not see how that works out first um let's not it's easier to go from, okay, this didn't work out, let's start the rebuild, than it is to go to realize the rebuild wasn't the right move. It's hard. You can't go back. You can't get Alexander Barkov back. You can't get Huberto back um, and, and be competitive. And that's not even discussing the fact that the ownership committed last season to Bobrovsky. Uh, I, I think with the amount of money and with that decision, it doesn't, it's not realistic to think that they're going to be so abrupt and go in the opposite direction so quickly. So for that reason, there's really no need to go through the exercise of what a, 
a rebuild would look like. Um, it would just look like a lot more suffering for Florida fans, which they I don't think they're ready to sign up for again. Um, I think it would be you'd have to have a lot of faith in the hockey ops to draft and build. And I think a rebuild, a full-scale rebuild like Florida would have to go into is just as daunting as what Florida has on the cap situation right now and how they would have to maneuver to make things work and be a a playoff contender, Uh, you know, not a Stanley Cup contender, but a playoff contender next year. Um, I think it's a lot it's maybe less daunting and easier to stay, stay, you know, the Barkov path, the push now path, um, than rebuilding with that in mind, uh, you know, this is a roster that's not going to look the same as it did last year. I think that is not a guarantee, but a necessity at least. Um, and when you look at, you know, what, the cap, what cap friendly looks like next year. Um, you know, obviously cap friendly has the tools where you can armchair GM, uh, the future lineup or a present lineup. So if you pick the Florida Panthers and you go to next year, um, you'll see that it is, there's no centers really. There's no left wings. Uh, the bunch of the right wingers like Connolly, Vetrano, Sevier, those are the three forwards where you're thinking you can make those trades, you can move out money and roster spots for other other forwards. Um, Colton Sevier, if you know you can't find a trade partner, he's a he's someone that you have to that you can trade and you're not going to retain uh, salary most likely. Uh, rather than retaining salary, you can just start him off in the AHL. Um, after camp, and it's only going to cost you like a buck and a quarter, 125000 retained salary cap or something like that, I think, um, with the new uh, cap uh, structure. Um, if, you know, maybe it's a little more, but I don't, I don't think so. Um, so there is, you know, cap relief just by moving them down. Frank Vertrano is $2.5 million, uh, you know, I just said that there's a hole in left wing and you're thinking, oh, well, Frank Vetrano is a guy who um, has familiarity with uh, Walmart and, and some of those bottom six guys from last year. Um, he's definitely somebody who can play up and score goals and maybe, you know, score 20 for you. Um, but also if we look at the penalties, if we look at um, defensive lapses, if you know, we look at it, it, what he, there's a one dimensionalness. There's a lot of gaps in his game, um, that at two, two and a half million, that's one of the only contracts maybe that you can move and get a sizable chunk of relief. Um, you know, I think a team would take for Toronto for a, a draft pick or a prospect, um, that Florida would get all that cap clearance or savings uh, and, you know, help them for the future. Um, And, you know, I know people don't want to hear trading guys out for draft picks or prospects, but Florida needs also to get assets that have intrinsic value to a lot of teams because they don't have assets that have intrinsic value to a lot of teams. And we're going to get into trading guys out or trading to bringing guys on the roster uh and 
that can go into that. That can go into getting someone to take Mike Matheson. That can go into uh, getting someone to replace Mike Matheson. But like I said, before we get into the trades, what does the Florida roster look like? What's the cap space situation? What's the roster size look like, etc.? Huberto and Barkov are back. Uh, one of Dadinov and Hoffman will be back. My thought is it's going to be Dadinov. He, I think, slots in and can play different roles a little better and, and fit different types of centers better than than a Hoffman, and, and that's why I'd pick him. But I also think Dadinov is somebody who will take less of a contract this time around, less of um, term maybe, and you know, there's always the out of... If he goes to the KHL, that contract, that cap hit's not going to count. Um, versus, you know, Hoffman, Canadian hockey players don't ride off into the sun, into a league without uh, a, a cap penalty. So uh, I don't know if that really should be held against Hoffman, but, uh, you know, I think he's going to want a little too much, be more in the sevens than the fives, which I think you can get that enough to sign in the fives. Denisenko obviously is most likely going to play on the second line. Uh, the problem is who's going to be that center. It's not going to be Walmart. It's not going to be Luostranian. It's not going to be Achari, who are the other centers after Barkov, uh, which, whew, I mean, that's three fourth-line centers, uh, maybe a third-line center um, in there. So who's going to be Denisenko's center? Is that going to be Borgstrom? I alluded to some of the rumors uh, that are out there. There's rumors that uh, he's unhappy in Florida. There's rumors that he's getting offers from KHL teams, from Finnish teams to come back over, uh, which is definitely a sign of an underutilized prospect at the least. Um, whether he's interested or not is the point of contention, but both sides are kind of giving staple uh boilerplate type of denials on it so who really knows what's going on if not borgstrom then becomes uh a trade piece uh, i don't think it makes sense uh you're or you're really going to win or have that leverage to get better value by trading uh, a like piece for a like piece so a borgstrom for a similar type situation center isn't, I don't think is going to be able to come in and solve that 2C problem. I think Borgstrom trade would probably be that left-handed defenseman in the top four situation. Could you move Borgstrom to Boston for Matt Grizzlick, somebody you're going to have to sign and someone that you know, you're going to have to figure out where else you can move money and stuff to, to, to fit that money in, but uh, maybe you can send him to Colorado for Zadorov Again, somebody else you're going to have to sign at four or five million uh how do you fit that clip in um but those are the type of defensemen that could be a real value add and yes it might not just be borgstrom it's a shame because at one point he had that type of value to get you that type of d all by himself now that's not the case you might have to pair uh you know a sarah noel uh a, you know Barkov forbid it's a Hepo Niemi uh, is somebody that you have to trade to get uh, that better type of defenseman like a Zadorov like um, 
like a Victor Mete, uh, uh, an Oliver Shillington, a Hayden Fleury, Vince Dunn, Gabe Carlson, some of these RFAs uh, that I think a team like Calgary, Colorado, Philadelphia, we didn't talk about them, but there's Zamula, there's a couple guys that are on the cusp. Teams that have a lot of defensemen uh, that they have to make cap casualty type decisions, like we can't pay everybody, try to bring in one of those defensemen promising minutes, promising opportunity, uh, and you know as much money as, as possible, whether it's Rasmus Anderson or Yoki Harju or, or Ronick, Philip Ronick of Detroit, who logged a, a bunch of minutes and looks good. I don't know if Detroit's going to be willing to get rid of him because uh, he's still young enough to fit in with the rebuild. Um, but it's those types of defensemen that maybe Borgstrom in a package with, you know, next year's first or, you know, some other uh, prospect, et cetera, uh, could fetch um, for centers. You know, maybe a Borgstrom could fit you a Dylan Strom. Um, and is that somebody that you think can step in and be a, a 2C um, next next year that would be good for Denisenko that would uh you know not just can he give Barkov defensive and offensive shifts off but can he also make up for the fact that your third and fourth centers are and, and lines are possibly going to be underachieving or not have that star power that prime aged players uh that's that's really necessary if we're looking at where the cap is going to be structured. There's going to be most of the money tied up on D uh, because you're not going to be able to move out most of the money that is tied up on D. Uh, and goaltending is part of D, so I'm counting that there uh, as well. So you're going to have a lot of guys under a million or right around a million, whether it's Walmart, Gulas Stranin, Dennis Ankov, Tippett, Borgstrom, if he stays. Um, so, and if Borgstrom does stay, does that mean that Tippett has to get expended? Or are you dipping only solely into the Hepo Niemis, the Noels, the future draft picks because you need those under million dollar forwards that can step up and maybe hit 20 goals, maybe break out and get that power play two unit going um, or step in and be that Mike Hoffman spot on power play one? It'll be interesting to see how whoever is the GM uh, spot does it. But if you're spending money at forward, it's only because you're clearing out uh, Connolly, Vetrano, Sevier, some combination of that, probably around three or four million. So you can add a five million dollar two C, uh, you know, or maybe you know a younger three and change uh million two c that you think can grow into the role because you need someone that's going to be able to play 20 minutes a night uh and do a lot of heavy lifting uh for this team sorella is he going to be is he going to come back i i, I think you kind of have to with the absence of quality centers in the system he's somebody that's going to be under a million he's somebody that can play left wing right wing center any which way uh and he's a puck possession player if you like Corsi, you'll like him and if he's good on the eye test he skates well he's got a good frame he's got a hard shot uh, and a good one time where he can play both special teams so 
I think he makes a lot of sense for, for all the parties that would be involved or, or should be involved. Um, Hunt, I mean, those guys are probably, you know, all the other guys that we're talking about on four that could come back or play are fringe guys or replaceable guys. Um, you know, their bottom six, as long as they can keep the Brian Boyles off of it. I mean, if Brian Boyles coming back, I expect Sevier and Connolly and Vetrano gone. Uh, and that's where they can expend that roster spot for him. I don't see it. I think, you know, your vet presence is Nola Chari and whichever 2C you bring in. Um, that 2C that Florida gets is definitely going to have to be trade. Uh, the UFA market's a little slim. There's Mikal Granlin. There's Jumbo Joe. I mean, that's maybe a little too old to be a 2C. Let's, you know, he's not that anymore. Uh, you know, and then for RFA, there's Radic Fasca, you know, Dylan Strom. There's not too, too much for them to get after. Uh, it's going to have to come through trade for sure. Could could Florida, you know, you're talking about, well, how are they going to get a a 2C that's $5, 6000000 million to, to come in? Uh, into Florida right now, who who are you going to trade to get a uh, you know a center that's worth that much and uh, is that much? Um, Keith Yandel is obviously not the defenseman that needs to move. It's gonna it needs to be Mike Matheson, um, but you're not likely going to be making too much money if you can make two million dollars in cap savings off of. Moving Matheson, that would be a win. Um, I think you're probably just going to have to eat similar dollars up front, and maybe it's a shorter-term contract uh, and a worse player or something like that. But I think you're going to have to eat similar money up front, so there's not going to be a win there. But Keith Yandel, he's got a no-trade clause, um, no-moving clause, even worse. Uh, And it's going to be hard to convince uh, him to, to make that move. But there are a few things out there that make sense could you put together a package for stastny out of vegas vegas is a team that you conceivably could get yandel to trade to um to wave to uh, they're a team that's competing he can chase a cup they're a team uh that in vegas it seems to be a very yandel type city um I, I, it's good weather uh you know so i think you could foreseeably see that he makes three five or, or six three five uh, Yandel uh, Stastny's six two something six five um, Stastny's only one more year though that's that's the benefit um, but he would come in and he would be a good second line center that could help Florida get to the playoffs and maybe win a round um, and unfortunately that's probably the goal you're hoping that you can maybe become a a new york islanders become a cbj uh, a team that uh you know has just enough framework of star power and a, a good overall team structure i think that's the stride that's the step forward you're looking for uh to convince barkov to maybe stay around a couple more years and see where this is going uh same with huberto but yes it's not likely that Yandel is moved uh, I, although I think it is paramount we don't really talk about um, the type of leadership and the and the the intangibles and the 
it factor. I know um, that word intangibles has a bad connotation, especially with this whole stats versus no stats, whatever fake debate that's going on. Um, but there's something that's just not right in Florida. And you see it with the teams that just can't pull themselves out of holes that just no matter the talent, no matter what draft picks they get, no matter how well they draft and develop or how well they sign or, you know, the coach they sign, you know, Toronto is, a, is another good example. There's just the mix isn't right there. They're just something's off. It's for whatever reason. Um, I don't want to get into what it could be, but something's off. Uh, and, you know, outside, I think something that should be looked at is Keith Yandel is the de facto captain. I know a lot of people say that's Barkov or Barkov is not the best captain and everything. But when it comes to setting the tone of the locker room, setting the culture, that's not going to change until Yandel is out. Um, I think it's a little too lax. I think it's a little too... Um, I don't want to say clown, but it's more clown, clown show, more, you know, uh, class, yeah, more classroom clown than anything else. And, uh, there's the fan base that is saying there's that missing of passion and playing that hard nose, um, competitiveness, that there's no accountability, that there's no, uh, there's no strive or desire to really get better to, or to get your teammates better or hold them accountable so we can, they can all get better. You can see how, how that can be traced back to Keith Yandel. Um, so there is certainly a reason to really try to force this and make you know a, a Yandel move happen, not just the cap relief, not just... Um, because that's maybe one of the only ways you can get a 2C. Um, but I think it's overall an addition just to see, you know, how that changes and how that forces the locker room and, and the culture to shift. Uh, and hopefully it leads into better conditioning, better practice paces, uh, because you can tell in the on ice product in games that that's what's miss that that's missing. Um, better skills coaching and strength and conditioning coaching, which we talked about on yesterday's podcast, also goes a long way. Um, but that's a that's a longer topic. The the defense, I mean, yes, Yandel could possibly still be here next year. Mike Matheson won't be. Um, I think that's probably the only guarantee I'll make on this podcast is Matheson won't be here. It's kind of untenable. How do you get rid of that? What do you do? Uh, I think Florida needs to explore every option, including convincing him to that maybe a year in Europe would do better. Whatever you can do to, you know, because if he goes to Europe, you can suspend the cap hit or, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, you need to get a year of this guy off the books so you can focus on proving the Barkov. It's, it's not a mistake to re-sign here. He's not throwing away his career and what he's worked hard for. So 
even if it's just getting him to go to Europe for one year and then it's kicking the can down the road and Florida has to deal with it all over again, fine. Uh, if that's what needs to happen, that's what needs to happen. But Matheson, I don't think, is going to be back. Um, you're looking at you know taking a bad contract back, giving a prospect and picks with him to make it happen. It's not going to be David Clarkson bad. It's not going to be the worst contract that's ever been traded. Um, but, you know, you can convince a team like Pittsburgh, like Edmonton maybe, that um, the skating is redeemable. You know, he's young enough. He can play. You know, he's got stamina and the athletic ability to play log big minutes. And his skating can take him far if everything else goes in there. If you sell a new scenery taking away the mental lapses if you sell you know a better fit and team uh, giving him that confidence if you sell that skating being able to help you know get the puck up and out of the zone quicker to McDavid or just somebody that can keep up with McDavid or you know Crosby um, I think that there are teams that would be interested he's under five million. I know the term is is the issue, uh, but I think that there are enough defensemen that are bad um, and get make four million dollars on NHL rosters that I don't think it's impossible. No trade protection. There's no any of those hurdles to jump through. Um, I just don't expect much back in way of cap savings or somebody that can be on this roster. Still, Strawman, I think uh, Anton Strawman. It would be nice to get that five and a half million dollar cap hit out there. Um, it would have been nice not to sign it. I understand why they signed it because, in theory, he's the type of defenseman they need. And uh, in parts of the Islander series in the expedition game against Tampa, he looked like that defenseman that they signed that they knew would be good in a series type matchup without the puck. Um, but obviously he's a turnstile. The, the, the boots are heavy. He's not very agile anymore. And, th- and that's definitely a concern. The problem is you just signed him. There's two years left. I think you have to eat and make, make do one more year before you can look at unlo- unloading him. I think it's going to be much more palatable for a team with only one year left uh, with Strawman. So I would try to make it work limit his minutes in a third pairing role in his extra defenseman maybe he'll get hurt you can put him on LTIR or something you know I I would try to make it work he's not worse than Brown he's not worse than Matheson Um, so I think you know that's something to just deal with in the future there's like I said Connolly, Vertrano, Sevier, Matheson and Yandel that are ahead of Strawman in what money is better to move out and probably more realistic to move out. But they can move Strawman out too, or instead, God bless them. Let's see it. You're really relying on the little glimpses of hope you saw in Brady keeper, um, being good enough to make the roster next year. You're hoping that Stillman's going to take a next step at under 800,000 Stillman is going to be, less expensive than even keeper most likely or, or Prisky who haven't 
had anywhere close to the same NHL success, which is nice. I think, you know, Keeper has the natural skill uh, to probably be better than Stillman, but Stillman has the lifelong experience growing up with his dad and in the NHL, so to speak, where Keeper, you know, coming from his background is kind of the opposite of growing up in hockey. So uh, who knows how they're, they're, uh, projections go out, but the, they should be good enough to be NHL defensemen. But the truth of the matter is the 1D they need is going to be cheaper than the 2C. Whether you think the defense is more important than getting the center or not, they're it's chicken or the egg. They're both vitally important. But the defense, you're going to be able to get away with spending less. Uh, you know, we look at Marino and Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, we look at the impact that still, even O'Reilly Stillman, or you know, the thoughts of what Brady Keeper, based on what that, you know, would add to just the third pair and taking Matheson out. We saw the improvement of just team structure and how important that is. Uh, so you can see how game planning that out. Uh, if they get that defenseman that next marino defenseman that comes out of nowhere uh to be you know a a top four defenseman at a young age and a good cap hit and you know one of the defensemen of the year for being honest marino was talked about more than a lot of defensemen and uh, his numbers and his ice time were a lot better than a lot of defensemen so you know he had a hell of a year if florida can find a defenseman like that Maybe it's Victor Mete. Maybe it's, uh, you know, we said getting Matt Greslick or, you know, who's we've seen what he can do in Boston situation in system. And if you can bring a little bit of that to Florida, that would be a huge win. Uh, that's probably going to cost less than the two C um, with, you know, that roster over the Fords, um, the 23 man roster, just to go through it again, Huberto, Barkov, Dadnoff, Denisenko, Walmark, Tippett, Borgstrom, Lostranen, Connolly, Sarella, Achari, Vetrano, Sevier at forward, Uyghur, Ekblad, Yandel, Keeper, Stillman, Strawman, Matheson, Prisky. That's 8D, so that's a little overkill. Um, and then the two goalies, Borowski, Dreger, you still have three and a half in cap space. Um, we talked about Sevier getting dropped down that put you at over four uh, in, in cap space. I mean, that's not a lot. We're talking about, you know, eight million on the 2C and that, that defenseman, um, if not a little more. But, you know, it's doable. It's not cap jail. It's not cap hell. It's not trade Barkov and burn the ship down. It's, it's just going to be hard work, and that's what the – panthers owners need to do they need to find the person who's willing to do the hard work to do this the right way and give a full effort to getting barkov re-signed uh you know they can find more star power to help out barkov they can do everything that you think they want to do that they should do they have to do it with barkov as soon as they move if you don't think barkov is the right captain if you don't think he's the best number one center etc etc if your end goal is to be as good as Philadelphia, as good as Colorado, as good as Boston or um, Vegas Golden Knights, you still need Barkov as your second line center. You still need Barkov here 
so you can get all of these wingers prospects that you have the wingers that you want to bring in the score if you want to keep Hoffman Hoffman and Barkov don't go together you need to get another center but then you need wingers for Barkov I mean it's so whatever your personal solution is to Florida Panthers it needs to involve Barkov and it should involve with giving at least one more legit shot of making this thing work uh, we know it's not likely. We know it's not going to be easy. That there's, it's not easy to trade Mike Matheson. It's not easy to trade Keith Yandel. In theory, just saying yes, trading him the night to the Knights for Stastny after the season makes sense, cap wise, fit wise, etc. Yes, somebody can be convinced to take Mike Matheson based on his skating and potential. Uh, sure. Yeah, they can probably find somebody for Frank Vitrano and Brett Connolly, but even if they were to move all that out, they still, you know, have to get the right guys, and that's going to be who's in the GM chair. Um, and based on everything we talked about, just rounding it up, someone in that GM chair needs to take on risks, needs to make risky moves. If you only have a year, a year and a half to prove yourself. Uh, you might as well take the risk because at the other end, it's a rebuild anyway, and you're tearing everything down. So why not take the risks? Why not push it? Uh, so they need a GM that can take the risks and then can, um, you know, I think evaluate who's on this roster who and who they can move out. I mean, is it going to be Tippett staying and Borgstrom out? Are they going to try to make Borgstrom work because he's he could be a center and, and that's desperately needed and that means Tippett's out uh so there's a lot of ways that I'd be comfortable and and accept but uh you know they it has to fit a one united plan and it has to get them from you know next season into Barkov's next contract and that's why I think it's important to have a real GM search to get somebody external outside the organization to come in uh, because you need to make a lot of crucial decisions in short amount of time and stick with them and trust them. Uh, and you want to remove that from all of the past toxicity and mistakes and all of that. So just to resum, don't trade Barkov. Don't blow this up just yet one more year be a little patient give it the best shot see what you can do you're going to need a 2c probably a right hander who can drive scoring chances zone exits zone entries and play decent d but he doesn't have to be you know a barkov world beater and you need a left-handed top four defenseman somebody who can control the chaos because that's what florida's defense is now so someone that excels at slowing plays down controlling the chaos extracting the puck uh, from bad situations and putting them into safe ice moving pucks to forwards quickly i know florida's probably not going to have the greatest uh depth up front next year but they're still going to have a lot of young guys who can skate and score and barkov and huberto so get the pucks up all things considered you know they can easily make the right moves and make the playoffs they're you know one key subtraction matheson uh or yandel oh, and you know two players that 2c and and four left-handed defensemen from being you know probably a step 
above where they were last year. Um, and, you know, again, that's not good enough. That's uh, not where they need to be right now, but it might be the best of the situation, best reality for Florida right now. Um, the bad news is to make those key decisions and operate on that margin, everything has to work out. They have to have no injuries. They have, you know, they have to get good coaching. They have to uh, get the bounces and, you know, execute on the power play and do all the little things right. So there's just, if they were more built, as they should be by now, like Philadelphia or some of these other teams, they wouldn't have to operate on such a thin margin just to make the playoffs like Tampa, you know, Tampa teams like that. So that that's, that's the negative about a roster like this. You're hoping to be, you know, in Ottawa before they got rid of Carlson or the Islanders uh, with Barzell and JT or um, the Blue Jackets where everything just goes right. And you're the Cinderella team. So, well thanks for listening really appreciate it good luck to florida and whoever is the next gm because they have their work cut out for them